Hello there, and welcome back to another episode of Chocolate Tech, your guide to all things tech, the podcast where we talk about the world's biggest gaming league thus far, as well as the first ever RGB Xbox controller. Officially. So, without further ado, this is your host, Isinazam, and let's get started, shall we? So, first things first, phones. Who doesn't love phones? I love phones, they're so pro-consumer, you know? Case in point, Apple. Now, during the September 4th event, they uh, shook the world with the incredible innovation the iPhone 14s and the 14 Pros uh, uh, had in store for us. I don't know how we lived for the past thousands of years without the iPhone 14s. So anyway, one of the most controversial announcements was the fact that um, phones, the iPhone 14s sold in the US will not include a SIM card tray. Which I do find very weird because a lot of people still use SIM cards. Thankfully, it is only in the US because not every country or carrier supports eSIM at this point. But hey, that's what Apple is all about. Accessibility for all. Except the US, I suppose. So during that event, I, I thought um, the space the SIM card tray would take would be used for something else. I, I honestly thought it would get replaced by the satellite technology thing they kept talking about. Or who knows, maybe Apple hit a new low and just kept the logic boards empty. Well, iFixit uh, did a very detailed teardown of the iPhone 14 Pro Max, uh, and I do recommend you watching the video. But uh, yeah, the cat's out of the bag. The logic board remained empty. The place where the SIM card tray was supposed to go and the US model is just covered by some piece of plastic, not connected to anything, any wires or ribbons, nothing. It's just plastic to support the screen. And to this day, I find this the most confusing decision ever made by a multi-billion dollar corporation this year. Sure, some companies do make some very questionable uh, choices when it comes to their products that I don't necessarily agree with, but this and this is just why but thankfully apple isn't the only player in town and we do have other options so for this week i'm going to talk about the brand new uh, asus rog phone 6d a mid-range refresh of you know the rog phone 6 as well as new rugged phones and tablets from samsung so starting off first with the asus rog phone 6d and the 6d ultimate the 6D has a 6.78 inch 165Hz AMOLED display, it's powered by the MediaTek Dimensity 9000 Plus, it has a 6000mAh battery with fast charging up to 65 watts. For storage, you only get 256GB of UFS 3.1 storage, 12-16GB uh, of RAM, 3 cameras on the back, a 50MP main camera, a 13MP ultrawide camera, and a 5MP disappointment. On the front, you get a single 12 megapixel selfie camera. It comes in one color, space gray, and starts at 950 euros, or around 910 US dollars. Now moving over to the ROG Phone 6, the ultimate, that was quite a mouthful, that one has pretty much the exact same specs, a 6.78 inch, uh, 165 hertz display, also powered by the MediaTek Dimensity 9000 Plus, uh, same battery, 6000 mAh, with the same charging at 65 watts, uh, difference is storage. Uh, this time you get 512 GB of UFS 3.1 storage with only one option for RAM, which is 16 GB. You get the same camera system 50 megapixel main, uh, 30 megapixel ultra wide, and a 5 megapixel disappointment. 
It also only comes in space gray, and this time it starts at 1400 euros, which is around 1365 US dollars. So a really neat upgrade uh, from the 6 and 6 Pro uh, to the 6D is cooling. Uh, everyone knows the Aeroactive Cooler 6, right? It's this giant fan you smack right on the back of uh, the phone. It cools the surface, which therefore cools uh, the um, inside components of the phone itself, therefore better gameplay and more stable frame rates. So a big difference here is with the RG Phone 6D and 6D Ultimate, whenever you attach the Aeroactive Cooler 6, it automatically opens up a motorized port so that the intake would allow the fan uh, to push air to the inside of the phone itself. And it automatically closes when you detach the fan. That, coupled with uh, MediaTek's flagship uh, Dimensity 9000 Plus chip, which honestly rivals uh, the Snapdragon 8 Plus Gen 1, this phone is insanely fast. Now, of course, uh, there are some aspects of the phone that are not as... Uh, let's say polished. Uh, of course, a big weakness in the uh, ROG phone lineup in general, in the cameras, not not on par with the iPhones or, or the Samsungs or Huawei's. But this is still an excellent phone if A, you want a solid gaming experience on your phone, or B, you just want something with a, a huge battery, which it does. 6,000 mAh is, is a lot. So Samsung's been busy not selling the Z Fold 4 or the Z Flip 4, like almost at all. So instead they've decided to release um, rugged phones and rugged tablets with the Galaxy Tab Active 4 Pro and the Galaxy X Cover 6 Pro phone. Both the tablet and the phone are supposed to be MIL STD 810H compliant, which means they can withstand high altitudes, extreme temperatures, and uh, honestly any and all things you can throw at it. Gorilla Glass Victus Plus, so uh, as little scratches as almost possible. There's a no battery mode on the tablet, so that means you can plug in uh, the tablet to a charger without actually using the battery in any way, shape, or form. Also, might I mention the, the batteries are swappable? Uh, sure, it's the little things that count, but uh, it could add up to a big difference, especially when it comes to rugged devices. Now, when it comes to performance or specs on the inside, uh, I mean, they're not necessarily the sharpest two in the shed, or the most powerful ones at that. But it has enough to run basic apps. And also because that's not really the point of these phones, they're not supposed to be flagship quality. What is supposed to be flagship quality is the durability, and, lifespan, and the long lifespan of the, uh, of the phone. And the tablet too. The Galaxy Tab Active 4 Pro uh, starts at 650 US dollars, and is available right now. While the Galaxy X Cover 6 Pro, the phone, will be available on October 20. No pricing is announced yet. See, Apple truly wasn't alone in the smartphone market, and we should be gr grateful for that. Although it doesn't mean we can't copy their stuff. Dynamic Spot, Android's version of Dynamic Island. So, if you ever had a, uh, a pill-shaped cutout, or even just a hole punch cutout in general, you know how much it sucks to have a circular camera cutout that houses only the, uh, the selfie camera with nothing else. Ew. It doesn't provide any functionality at all besides maybe letting you take selfie, uh, selfies. 
but with the iPhone 14 Pros, with their dynamic islands, um, emerging the notch with the notifications as one, uh, it's just UI innovation. Well, not anymore. Um, dynamic Spot is essentially an app you can download from the Google Play Store that um, treats your whole punch cutout pretty much the same thing as what Apple did with the iPhone 14 Pro. Again, uh, it's it's still in beta uh, and not as uh, polished as Apple's version. I mean, of course, you can't really expect uh, that level of quality this fast. But it's a neat little way to customize your phone even even more. And if I'm gonna be honest, the idea of Dynamic Island in general is really cool. The app doesn't connect to the internet itself, which you know is honestly quite relieving when it comes to privacy concerns. But that also does mean that since it doesn't connect to Bluetooth and GPS, it's not possible for the app to notify connected devices or anything when it comes to GPS, which the iPhone 14 Pro does do. I might wait out just a bit until it uh, gets a bit more polished. I've tried it, it does work, uh, but you still have to calibrate the size and dimensions of the actual the notification bar itself. But from what I've experienced, it's, it actually functions and that honestly is a huge compliment. Next up, let's talk about this week's biggest highlight when it comes to tech news thus far. The RTX 4000 lineup. Of course, the flagship product of the lineup has to be the RTX 4090. It's faster than the 3090, or, or even the 3090 Ti. It's, um, it's, uh, huh. It's also more expensive than the 3090. That's pretty much as when it comes to, uh, what Nvidia announced this week. It's, uh, it's just the RTX 4090, the RTX 4080, in the RTX 4080, but better. Yeah, there's two RTX 4080s, no TI on one of them. It's just RTX 4080, 12 gigabyte model, and RTX 4080, 16 gigabyte model. And let's be honest, I'm pretty sure the 12 gigabyte model was supposed to be the RTX 4070. But oh well, I'm not a multi-billion dollar person. I, I don't know how these guys think. So let's go over the specs uh, of the 4090, the 4080-12, and the 4080-16. That's what I'll be calling them. So the 4090 has 16,384 CUDA cores, the uh, RTX 4080 has 9,728 CUDA cores, and the RTX 4012 has 7,680 CUDA cores. Uh, the 4090 has a boost clock speed of uh, 2.52 GHz, uh, with the RTX 4080-12 having a clock speed of 2.61 GHz, with the RTX 4080 16GB model uh, slightly behind at 2.51 GHz. The 4090 has 24GB of GDDR6X VRAM, with of course the 4080 16GB model having 16GB of VRAM, and 4080 12GB model having, you guessed it, 12 gigs of VRAM. Good job. The RTX 4080 12GB model has uh, 2x8 pin connectors, with the 4080 16GB model and the 4090 both having 3x8. Yes, that does mean m more power for all, yay! And honestly, a, a lot more power efficient than I expected, which is honestly a great thing. 
the 4080 12 gig model has a max TDP of 285 watts. The 4080 16 gig model has a max TDP of 320 watts, with the 4090 having a max TDP of 450 watts. I think that's almost the, the exact same as the 3090, which is really impressive. I mean, this thing is supposed to be like what twice as fast as the 3090, and yet it still uses the, the same power. That's mind blowing. The Ada Lovelace based GPUs uh, are not designed uh, to take advantage of PCIe Gen 5, There's, they still use Gen 4, but apparently that shouldn't affect performance as much. But that might be the better decision, PCIe Gen 5 is still a long ways ahead, so they still got time. Of course with every new architecture comes improvements. Uh, the ray tracing and tensor cores are redesigned to be faster, more efficient, you know, basic improvements. One of the key upgrades this time around is DLSS 3.0. This time around, uh, the Ada Lovelace architecture has a optical flow accelerator, which should reduce artifacting uh, on objects when the camera is in motion. So something like racing sims or any fast moving game in general should look a lot smoother because of this. But that does mean uh, the RTX uh, 30 series and the 20 series won't be able to upgrade to uh, DLSS 3.0 because they don't have the optical flow accelerator. And if you're particularly into live streaming or just creating videos in general, the RTX 40 GPUs will have AV1 encoding. Not necessarily useful for games, but great for again live streaming or creating videos. Funnily enough, that was supposed to be the one big advantage. The Arc GPUs from Intel were supposed to uh, show off. Oh wow, look at us with the AV1 encoding, and Nvidia beat them to it. Even when Intel was first to announce that, I find this very funny. And of course, who could forget RTX Remix, right? Right? Anyone interested in ray traced portal? No one? Oh. All jokes aside, RTX Remix is uh, actually a pretty great way to uh, quickly remaster an old game uh, to, to look really next-gen if I'm gonna be honest. So essentially what it does is uh, you put the game into the app and it captures assets, textures, geometry, and lighting. These assets are converted into a USD for, uh, format, which is then used to add NVIDIA's uh, plugins into it. So NVIDIA Reflex, uh, Ray Tracing, DLSS 3.0. You can essentially create your own mod pack with a couple of clicks at most. Although that is exclusive to only the RTX 40 GPUs, which is a repeating pattern of everything uh, going exclusively in the newest gen of GPUs, which does suck for people who just bought a 30 series. The RTX 4080 12 gig model starts at 899 US dollars. The 4080 16 gig model starts at 1200 US dollars, with the RTX 4090 costing 1600 US dollars. With, of course, other companies making their own RTX 40 series models, Asus, Colorful, uh, Gainward, Galaxy, Gigabyte, NO3D, MSI, Palette, PN PNY, and Zotac, not EVGA, we, we all know what, what's going on with EVGA at this point. But yeah, uh, TLDR, it's faster. It's also a lot heavier. Galaxy's 3090 model is so heavy that they have to add a support stick. Of course, 
It has to be RGB. I mean, let's be honest. You're buying a 4090. Everything inside the computer should be uh, RGB. Your SSD should have been RGB by now. Why are you so late on this trend? Your cooler, also RGB. The CPU itself, RGB. The motherboard. I'm surprised we still don't have RGB ports yet. So yeah, I mean, that was a pretty interesting uh, event from NVIDIA. But that doesn't mean AMD was silent at that time. Uh, save the date. AMD RDNA 3 GPUs coming in November 3. Now, most people who buy an RTX GPU probably use it for gaming, so let's jump into the gaming segment of this episode, where I talk about all things video games. E even the old ones. L let's just get this out of the way. The obvious elephant in the room, the Grand Theft Auto 6 leak. Yes, it's here, it's real, and Rockstar is mad about it. I don't want to say anything about the game right now, I have no clue what the game is about, even when it comes to the leaks. The gameplay, I mean, sure, it looks unfinished, and it's supposed to be, the game's not finished yet. So I really just want to get this out of the way. But what is interesting is the whole 2K support desk fiasco. In case you didn't know, uh, hackers have gotten inside 2K games support desk system and were able to send gamers links containing password stealing malware. It's probably not connected to the GTA 6 leak that came out right before that actually, but it still doesn't look good for 2K at all. So, in case you were unfortunate enough to click on uh, the link, please, I highly recommend resetting all of your passwords that were stored in your web browser. Maybe even two-factor authentication or multi-factor authentication. Uh, and try to get rid of the malware, maybe with an antivirus or something. At this point, I really don't know what to expect. Whatever comes next in the gaming news, I don't, I, I can't predict anything at this point. And it looks like I might be right. So, uh, the Dreamcast, uh, Sega's last console, it had honestly a lot of great games. But one thing I found fascinating about it was the VMU, the Visual, uh, visual Memory Unit. It's the most advanced memory card I've ever seen for a console at this point. Plugs in the controller, take it out, it has little buttons, you can use it to play little mini games uh, on the go. Plug it back in, I mean, it, honestly, it was a really creative idea. Uh, most memory cards were boring, I mean, ugh, plastic, I hate that. But this, now, now this is what I'm talking about. So, uh, I mean, it does suck that the Dreamcast failed. But it looks like the VMU still lives. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, a crowdfunded project is coming, uh, basically reviving the Sega Dreamcast Visual Memory Unit, dubbed the VM2, made by Dreamware Enterprises. Wow, what a coincidence. It almost sounds exactly like Dreamcast. It's pretty much a one-to-one -one recreation of the whole thing. It comes in either black or white, uh, launching in the summer of 2023. Uh, but let's talk improvements. A higher resolution LCD with backlighting this time, microSD card storage for injecting saves, a rechargeable battery with USB-C charging, a PC connectivity with its own GUI for Windows, and of course it's, it's an actual VMU for the Dreamcast. That's really neat, but I don't have uh, a connection at all to the Dreamcast. I've never used, I've even seen a Dreamcast in person. So I, I, that nostalgia factor isn't, you know, that much of a big deal to me. But what is a big deal is Chris Pratt. 
I'm surprised I'm not voiced by Chris Pratt. I, I just love him so much. He's so cool. And we've been blessed uh, about the fact that he's going to be voicing Mario, Luigi, Donkey Kong, Peach, Bowser, uh, the Goombas, uh, the Koopa Troopers, and almost every other character in the in the Mario movie. Unfortunately, that, that's not true. But at least he's voicing Mario. I mean, that's what matters, right? So Nintendo has announced that the first ever trailer to the Mario movie will be coming next month. Specifically, October 6th, with the movie coming out on April 7th of 2023. A couple new updates when it comes to the Xbox brand as a whole. Uh, the Elite 2 controllers can finally, finally change the color on the Xbox button itself instead of just white. You can now ch change the color of the LED within uh, Windows PCs and Xbox consoles too. Steam had this feature a while back. And I don't know why it took uh, Xbox and Microsoft this long to implement it, but at least it's here. The first ever official uh, Xbox RGB controller from Xbox themselves. Oh, of course, uh, Discord is finally now officially integrated with Xbox Party Chat. It was in beta, and now it's officially out to the public. Just switch your Discord uh, voice chat from your phone uh, or tablet to the console itself. EA Sports is getting ready to release FIFA 23. I mean, it's it's FIFA. It's the last ever FIFA game from EA. But it looks like they're trying to go out with a bang, as FIFA 23 is officially adding in the, the, the most wildly beloved football team of all time, AFC Richmond. If you don't recognize that, that's because it doesn't exist. It's the fictional team from the Ted Lasso series. Which I really should watch, I've heard it's great. Anyways, that does mean that yes, Ted Lasso himself, the man, the legend, the myth, is officially in FIFA 23. This should be the highest uh, or the most selling FIFA game of all time. Uh, also the fastest selling. You know what, this should be the uh, the best selling game of all time. Screw Minecraft, this is the, I mean, this is the greatest redemption arc I've ever seen of all time. EA Sports is doing great work. Good job, you're finally competent. But what isn't competent is, if I'm gonna be honest, uh, the Logitech G Cloud, the newest gaming handheld in the market, and also the first one from Logitech. Now the gaming uh, handheld has been populated uh, a lot more. Uh, in the past couple of months, of course, we got uh, the Aya Neo lineup. Of course, we got the Steam Deck, I mean, uh, probably the biggest player in the market right now. And Logitech is joining in. So how does it fare against the likes of this Steam Deck? Well, it's $50 cheaper than the Steam Deck, which is neat. But it also is worse than almost everything the Steam Deck does. So, the Logitech G Cloud, uh, I might as well just call it LG Cloud. Anyways, the LG Cloud has a 7-inch 60Hz 1080p display. 4GB of RAM, 64GB of storage with uh, expandable memory via a microSD card slot. It's powered by the Qualcomm Snapdragon 720G. Y you probably did not expect that, right? A Qualcomm Snapdragon CPU in a gaming handheld. Uh, 8 cores, the, the, so that's 2 Cortex A76 CPUs, 4 A55 CPUs, and an Adreno uh, 618 GPU. So, uh, level of performance on par with something like the Pixel 5a. How is that supposed to run Elden Ring, you might ask? G good question. It doesn't. It streams it. So, the uh, 
just pure innovation of this uh, handheld is that it doesn't actually run the games natively. Uh, you have to be connected to an internet connection, also a fast internet connection at all times, so that you know you, you can actually see what you're doing. It has integration with uh, Xbox Cloud Gaming, NVIDIA GeForce Now, and even Steam Link. So I noticed that Stadia and Amazon Luna weren't in the list of supported um, no, cloud streaming services. They're supposed to work. That's all I know about it. They should. They should work in the LG cloud. So obviously there are pros and cons to a cloud-only gaming handheld. I'm not just talking about this uh, product specifically, but the general t idea or concept of a gaming handheld that requires constant uh, internet connection, which also still has to be really fast too. Uh, as well as the fact that not all regions have these services, so that kind of sucks. Okay, so let's just list them very quickly. I mean, they're pretty obvious. One, you need to have uh, good internet at all times. Others, like the Steam Deck, don't. Uh, they run natively from the internal storage, so you don't need internet uh, unless you're playing m uh, multiplayer games. But a big advantage of cloud-based games is battery life. Uh, Logitech claims that this should last 12 hours of game streaming from its 6,000 mAh battery. Steam Deck cannot say the same thing, because it still has to render everything in real time, like natively within the device itself. Uh, three, this could mean better quality or better resolution games, which could run significantly faster than what you would find on the Steam Deck. So the Steam Deck runs at uh, 720p, 60 to 30 FPS depending on the game. This should, I mean, depending of course on your internet connection, uh, this should easily hit 1080p 60 all the time. But a neat little feature from the Logitech G Cloud is Android support. That's right, you can play Android games and apps from uh, the Logitech G Cloud. Do remember it's the same performance as a Pixel 5a, uh, so don't expect very demanding titles to work properly. Then again, that's not what it's primarily for, it's, it's mainly for uh, cloud gaming. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we have reached the tiny topics. Google has released a new um, Chromecast. This time it's exactly the same as the Chromecast with Google TV one. Uh, it runs Google TV, it has a remote, almost the exact same specs, the same design, same everything. Except this one plays content at only 1080p, while the original uh, Chromecast with Google TV runs at 4K. It's $30, and if I'm gonna be honest, it's really good value. That does not mean that the older Chromecast will be left behind, as Google is planning to update the original Chromecast with Google TV, you know, the one that still costs $50, to Android 12. Garmin and introduced its first ever smart blood pressure monitor. You can view readings in 7-day, 4-week, or 1-year reports, which can be exported as a PDF to your phone, up to 16 separate users uh, per uh, monitor. Uh, it's gonna need four AAA batteries with potential battery life of up to nine months. More Logitech news as they accidentally leaked the next two new iPads, the iPad Pro 12.9 inch 6th gen and the iPad Pro 11th and 4th gen. Both were labeled as coming soon for Logitech's um, covers for them. In case you didn't know, the most recent available iPads right now are the 5th gen 
12.9 inch model and the third gen 11 uh, inch model so I mean obviously uh, Apple was going to do new iPads anyways uh, they are expected uh, to be announced sometime in October although we don't know when exactly but it's not that big of a deal honestly what is that big of a deal is Google finally tired of all these leaks and rumors uh, uh, unofficial from unofficial sources no 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 Google now just decided to uh, drop uh, a teaser for the Pixel Watch even though it's not coming anytime soon. Maybe it was to stop leaks. Maybe. So, what does the Pixel Watch look like? Almost exactly like what the leaks showed. Circular design, curved edges, um, a crown on, on the right. It looks clean and that's pretty much all I can say about it until the event on October 6th. Speaking of watches, we got two other new watches to talk about this week. Uh, Kojima Productions partnered with NASA and Anacorn Watch to uh, pretty much put Death Stranding uh, and then space into uh, into your wrist. It looks really neat. There's going to be two editions of this watch. The Wear Edition, uh, limited to only 100 pieces, has a wearable one-to-one recreation of the Luden skull mask in carbon fiber. That costs 1500 US dollars. While the cheaper limited edition with 500 uh, pieces will offer, of course, the watch as well as an individually numbered metal plate. Cool! And the third watch this week comes from OnePlus as they have announced the resolution and brightness for the Nord watch uh, and its display. So, the Nord Watch will have a 1.78 inch diagonal display with a resolution of uh, 368 by 448. It's gonna have an AMOLED panel with a with peak brightness of around 500 nits. Also, from the images uh, OnePlus has shown here, uh, we can tell, yep, there is a crown on the right. So, it turns out every couple of days, OnePlus will reveal a new detail about the watch itself until the whole product is fully revealed. Uh, it is interesting to note that uh, uh, leaks show that there were at least four Nordwatch models. Some uh, rectangular and some round, like the OnePlus watch. And to cap off uh, today's episode, NOTHING has revealed uh, the charging case for its next pair of earbuds, dubbed the Ear Stick. Apparently it's comfortable, uh, I mean it, it does look Pretty, pretty cool. Um, is going to be revealed exclusively on Chatlow's SS23 runway. Uh, sure, but hey, the Nothing Phone One was pretty cool. The buds were uh, fine, I suppose. I hope this is a pretty good improvement over the last one. And with that, we close the book of everything that's happened this week. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Please make sure to listen to the other episodes of the podcast. And don't be afraid to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. As always, this is Yassin Azam, signing out. See you next weekend.